In another huge week on the podcast, the AFL's fun police are at it again and we debate just how much cracking down is too much. We also give out some mid-year awards and Christian from Champion Data breaks down the league's best ball users. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast. Hello to everyone out there in podcast land. My name is Matt Walsh. I'm going to be hosting the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast for today. Uh, Joining me is Jake Michaels. How are you? I'm good. You look very tired. Do I? I think I look all right. I'm quite sprightly this uh, this morning. I thought. Go on, tell everyone where you've been. I've just um, I've just come from the airport actually. So I've I, actually well, the office is about halfway between the airport and my place. So I went in and had a shower. Just got back from Perth. Went for a nice long weekend. Uh, a winter escape to Margaret River. Sounds beautiful. Lots of beaches and t-shirts and shorts and so forth. Yeah. No, no footy in Perth this week. No footy in Perth <laughs> this week. So I think that was well planned by uh, everyone else in the group. But uh, the disappointing thing was, and everyone we, we spoke to in Margaret River in Perth said this, we literally got the worst weather that they'll have all year. The worst weekend of weather. So you've gone to escape the Melbourne winter and you've copped Melbourne winter pretty much. When I left, it was uh, raining sideways in 14. When I got there, it was raining sideways at maybe 15. (laughs) Uh, And then I got back here and it was about, what, 15 degrees today in Melbourne. So uh, Not much fun. Yeah, and about half an hour sleep. So we'll see how I go. I might fall asleep (laughs) halfway through the pod. Uh, Neil Seawang, I'd like to introduce you as well to the pod. (laughs) Thank you very much. I was going to say it was a a very interesting uh, shortened round of footy. Um, Another loss for my beloved Demons, but I've got three beaming carbon supporters. Yeah, it's going to be end this year. <laughs> We're only uh, one off you blokes now, aren't we? Yeah, that's Two right. Two wins to versus three. Number one pick here come Melbourne. Gee, I would have taken that to start here. One <laughs> off Melbourne at the halfway point. If only you had... <laughs> I would have thought it'd be more like nine and ten wins, but... <laughs> if only you'd done the, uh, the the live trade with Melbourne and then you might have uh, not been giving it. Exactly. Yeah, we might touch on that <clears> later in the year as that comes to a head. And uh, Christian Jolly from Champion Data, welcome along. Thank you. How are you? Did you see much footy on the weekend? Uh, well, I got to watch it mostly from home. I uh, wasn't on the AFL roster this weekend and went out to a lovely Frankston to do Frankston Dolphins versus Port Melbourne, so we enjoyed that one on Sunday. How was the weather out there? Much better. It was very nice, actually. It was yeah, beautiful, beautiful and sunny on Sunday. (laughs) I've had a shocker. I was sick on the weekend too. So, although you've (laughs) left the state twice this this footy season, I think the Blues have won both times, haven't they? You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you on this week? (laughs) (laughs) Can you you stay away for the rest? Last minute uh, flight out of somewhere. (laughs) See how we go. Hey, uh, let's get into the agenda. It's time for three on three. Yes, three on three is the segment where we spend roughly three minutes on three of the big topics uh, each week, and we're going to kick it off. Uh, we did touch on it last week, but it seems the AFL's fun police are at it again. In fact, the latest accusations made by the Richmond Shear Squad uh, that undercover inverted commas FBI-like agents are being planted in active areas to weed out those who yell offensive material at players and umpires. Gee, I tell you what, it's beyond policing. It's now spy-level nonsense that's only further alienating diehard fans, in my opinion. Whether it is true or not, the AFL is clearly doubling down on its blitzkrieg against abuse. But gentlemen, how far is too far? Jake, I know you've got some thoughts on this. Well, this um, this FBI-like agent um, story that's just come out is... Uh, it's a bit weird. And it's Unverified. A, well, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit too much, if that's true. And I think the issue, and we spoke about this last week, is, you know... I don't like seeing any kind of abuse um, at the football or anywhere, but I think it's pretty clear as we touched on, like, you need some kind of a list, whether it's a list of words or phrases or things you can't say. You know, nobody knows what they can and can't get away with. I think that's probably the biggest issue. I have no issue with with stamping it out entirely because I think there's no place for any kind of abuse, but we need to know what we can and can't say. Is that a pretty fair assessment? I agree with most of what you're saying there. I don't think... Individuals know what what they should and shouldn't say. I think, but do they? Well, I'd like to think you don't need a list. You don't need word A B. You know, one, two, three, four. You should know in your heart of hearts, in your in your conscience, what 
abuse is. And I think mm-hmm. it's I think it'd be silly to have a list there saying you can say this, you can't say this. I think it's the AFL is trying to stamp out that uh, in, inherent vitriol towards umpires. So the point I've been hearing over the weekend is whether it's at that first source of the guy getting kicked out, whether that's an AFL directive, because people are saying, well, that's state of manage- stadium management. So whether you're at Marvel or MCG or the Gabba, you're going to have different stadium management, different security guards, uh, sort of, you know, different uh, list of things to look out for. It's after the fact when they actually do get pulled up by stadium management. It's the AFL coming in and handing down games bans. Mm. So it's that whole, where's it start? Do we mm. do we need to have different lists at different venues or is it an overarching, you go to an AFL game and here's the list? Mm. Um, but even in terms of who is doing the policing, even that's a bit sort of, you know, murky at the moment. Of course, the context is that uh, umpire Matthew Nichols was called uh, a bald-headed flog. Which I find offensive. Well, you're follically challenged. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, do you do you take offence to, to nah, I don't really. Like no, but... I don't really. I, I think it's but, less, but, but less the. Is it grounds for being kicked out of the footy? But I think you've got to say it like this: if you're saying in a in a if you're saying oh you're bald in like a jokey friendly context, I think that's different to he's just paid a decision against your team and you're standing three rows from him screaming it in his face. I think that is different, and that's abuse. Well, he wasn't three meters away screaming it in his face. He was about ten meters away, and he just sort of yelled it from afar, screaming it. But at I don't, him. you're not get, you, should, you should not be getting kicked out for calling an umpire a bald. It's a, a super complex. Um, I guess, argument or debate to be had. I like the AFL. Like, for some reason, growing you up... Like going, <laughs> well, I, I like the AFL. I like the AFL's directive to try and make... Try and drive social change in a way to say, go into the footy, you can cheer, you can vent your frustration in certain ways, but inherent abuse towards umpires or players... It shouldn't be part of the part of your kit bag, so to speak. I, I, I like the way it's going to be hard to police. I like the, the fact that they're going to try and make a start. Here's a question: Is this an overreaction now that we've seen the uh, Adam Good stuff come to a head with his documentary? Is the AFL now saying, "Okay, we've got to be super conservative with this sort of stuff"? Ah, uh, possibly, but but I think like we've just all grown. Well, at least I have, and I think we probably all are in a position where we've grown up and you've gone to the footy as a kid, and you've just everyone's always abused the umpire. Yeah. From from the Which first time right, I ever really. went to the if you take, to the if you take a step back, that's that's but, not and that's just because and just because something's done for a hundred years doesn't mean that that's the way. Look at you know, fifty years ago it was acceptable to be racist. I mean now you can't do that. It's just it's not on. Abuse is such a it's such a bad sounding word though. If you're saying oh that's bull, you white maggot. You know back in the day. I mean we're not talking about vilification in any way here. We're just talking about. Going to the but footy, sitting in the third. But if you're going to kick out the one bloke who does it near the umpires, why aren't you kicking out the ten thousand people around the stadium that's that are saying it's from the, the cheap seats? And that's and I agree with you on that. And I, this is what I said last week: is that you get every round of football, you're going to have twenty thousand people saying, you know, that kind of stuff, and you can't kick them all out. That's just this is not going to happen. But whether the AFL's saying, all right, the ones that we do here, and the ones that the umpires hear and can actually point somebody out. We're going to kick them out to make an example so it stops it happening around the stadium. So I'm, I'm with Neil going back to his point of, yeah, we should stamp out the abuse of umpires and it has been probably, you know, it's become, become too commonplace at the football. But my thing is, can we yell it out at opposition players? So this is coming back to Matt's first point is, how do we know what's, what's too far? Is it, we're not allowed to say certain things to umpires, but we can say the same thing to Gary Ablett, who's also follically challenged. <laughs> um, are you going to get kicked out from that? We, I think we just need to know. The AFL just needs to say, mm. here is some guidelines, and I think that would keep everyone happier. It's just going to the football and hearing new stories each week of, hang on, I've heard that a hundred times, and a yep. bloke's all of a sudden being kicked out. Guidelines think, yeah. is more, probably more accurate than a list of things to say, but yeah. That's... Yeah, and I think the big mistake the AFL has made is they haven't been up front. If they had to come out pre-season and yep. said, 
look, this is going to be really hard to police. We really do want to um, drive some social change here. Um, we want to, you know, maybe stamp out some of the the phrases and, and abuse that gets gets thrown. I think people would understand that it's it's part of that. But the fact that it's all it sort of seems to be an underground movement mm. with no clarification from the AFL, I think that's a big own goal from them. Classic rules on the run by mm. the AFL. Uh, quick question as we go around the table: Would you have kicked out the fan for saying you bald headed flog? Uh, well, I've I'm starting to get a little bit bald up top, so yeah, I reckon I would. <laughs> Christian. Uh, not for the words, but you'd have to watch the action exactly if it was yeah, right in the, the umpire's face or not. Yeah, I think it's a light-hearted term, but I think it's the just the the nature of the the vitriol rather than the, the words themselves. So if they're trying to stamp it out, then they've got to start somewhere. I, I think I can see either way, to be honest. Yeah, mm. yeah. Right. Hey, let's maybe, move on. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, last last on. word. Maybe in ten or twenty years, there'll be significantly less abuse towards umpires, and maybe that'd be a good thing. Yeah, well, well, maybe, but the atmosphere might suffer as a result. Uh, let's move on a bit. Um, it is the bye weeks are upon us. Uh, we're in the second of I think three or four bye weeks. Have we got four bye weeks this year because of the China the one game? at the end of the year as well? No, oh no, no, three and then one at the That's end of right. the year. So uh, we thought we'd get our heads together and come up with some uh, little mid-season awards uh, in the ESPN pre-podcast meeting. Uh, the biggest surprise packet, the biggest disappointment, the most improved player, and the recruit of the year. So I thought we'd go around the table and just uh, share some thoughts. Jake, do you have for us uh, a big surprise packet? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I would say it's Jeremy Finlayson. I think I don't think anyone saw um, his, his mm. first half of the season coming. Twenty four goals. Um, he's already kicked, and I mean he wasn't a goal kicker. This he is the most two goals or four goals or something like that in his career before. Remarkable, year. and he just all of a sudden now is just sort of showing um, showing other key forwards how it's done. So yeah, really impressed with what I've seen from him. So he's an impressive player. So he spent uh, I think it was two or three years on GWS's list before he got his first game. He was racking up thirty touches a game in the NEFL before uh, getting his debut. They've put him into the AFL level. He's played at centre-half back for a year and done quite well down back. And then in his third year of the AFL system, he's played forward. So he's showed that he can do everything. He's a ball mm. magnet. He can defend and he can kick goals. Definitely Absolutely. a surprise packet. Christian, do you have one for us? Yeah, my one's Brisbane. I'm sort of pleasant, pleasantly surprised with them. I think um, the last three years, Carlton, Gold Coast, Brisbane have always been very uh, closely compared. Um, we knew we knew that you know, Brisbane were on the way up last year. They were playing some exciting footy. Still finished 5-17 and 17 in a few close games. I mean, they're already 7-5 and five this year. Um, mm. A disappointing loss on the weekend, obviously. I think they should still make finals, but even if they got to ninth or 10th, I still think it's a massive tick this year for them. For sure. Neil? Mine's Geelong. They're at the top of the ladder. I, I wasn't alone. I, I thought that they might plateau or even decline this year. I've loved the way Chris Scott's, uh, I guess, got a more impressive structure. They, they seem to be winning games through structure as opposed to individual talent and which always holds you up well um, they so, certainly have some individual talent they well, they, they've got well, that as good well good spread of contributors yeah so the fact that they're 11 and 1 I certainly didn't predict it and they look they look fantastic late nomination for Reese Shaw for mine uh, 2 and zippers caretaker I mean we went through the stats last week uh, a caretaker winning their second game was 2 and 19 or something so and look honestly North are scoring pretty well and we'll touch on them a little bit later uh, biggest disappointment Jake well, I reckon I'm going to go with um, one of Finlayson's teammates, Jeremy Cameron. So a few weeks ago, oh, we were all talking about him. Well, on. he's leading the Coleman still. Well, he is, but we were all talking about him kicking 100 goals, and everyone was starting to get excited, <laughs> and it was like this could be the last time potentially it happens. <laughs> and since then, he's sort of fallen away a bit. So oh, you're a hard um, taskmaster. <laughs> he's not going to be kicking 100 goals this year, unfortunately. Christian, um, my biggest disappointment's been Melbourne. Um, again, that's fair enough. Can't disagree <laughs> with that. Uh, going back to the start of the year, Champion Data, we do our list ratings. It's a computer generated list rating thing, so it's not my personal view. But we had Melbourne as number one, so we knew Melbourne had a good list. Um, coming off a great season last year, you know, made prelim, you know, could have got to the grand final quite easily. Um, just 
just have not have not changed their personnel. Nothing's changed. It's just they're playing disappointing footy and it's so hard to figure them out. Everything that could have gone wrong for Melbourne seems to have gone wrong from the end of last season. Yeah, injuries, pre- exactly. surgeries, the whole Out lot. of form, confidence, yep. Um, sure. yep. mine, mine is to do with the... My biggest disappointment is the AFL's MRO and tribunal um, uh, failures. It's been a sham, shambles all year and I've, I've really been disappointed in the fact that they, they talked up a big game pre-season. They said they were going to crack down on stray elbows and gut punches and they're pretty much just letting it be a free-for-all. Correct. They're not offering weeks to anyone like Gary Ablett multiple times, Nat mm-hmm. Fife. That it seems that if they want to stamp it out, they could actually make a... A statement and and take down some of these big names that you, you can't go around throwing your fists and your, and your elbows in a game of footy. So that needs to be improved. Yeah, for sure. ASAP. We're um we're sticking the boots into the AFL, but the score review systems also had a shocking few weeks. Mm. So that's probably been the biggest disappointment for mine. Uh, most improved player. I'm going to go the other way around the table. Neil, most improved player for me is um, Ricky Henderson at Hawthorne. Um, what a what a great money ball pickup he was for the Hawks. He was a delisted free agent in 2016, had a couple of decent years at the Hawks, but this year he's really exploded on a wing, uh, averaging 27 touches, eight marks, and five inside fifties. Um, and he's 30 years old, so I love the the late career bloomers. Yep. You know, the ones that you think that might have seen their best, and then they come out and they the produce something Fox like that. Too. He is. Hey, I, he... I like the fact that the Hawks went out and got Tom Scully to sort of sit on that wing and be their number one wingman this year, and then Ricky Henderson stepped up yeah, and become that player. Yeah. So you know, they've, they've sort of blessed with two now. Christian, do you have a uh, most improved player for us? Yeah, mine's uh, Travis Boke, Port Adelaide. He's having a career best year at 30 years old. I think he turns 31 in a couple of months, so he'll be 31 by the end of the year. Uh, he's always a very, very good player. I probably, you know, I'm not big on grading players, but if I had to, it'd be about a B plus the rest of his career. He's clearly an A grader this year. Mm. Um, I would have him probably in the top three of the Brownlow at this stage as well. Mm. Gee. Um, yeah, similar for me, similar type, I guess. Daniel Rich, another player that a lot of people rated very highly for a long time, but I probably thought he wasn't quite the player that everyone else perhaps thought he was, but this year he's been spectacular, and you can really tell when he gets involved in a game, Brisbane looks such a better side. He was in our, we did our mid-year All-Australian teams last week at ESPN, and, and we had Rich in on the halfback flank, so he's had a he's had a really good year in that conversation. Yeah, we did. Was Boke on the and bench? Bo- no, oh, we missed out. That oh, might have been a big He was blue. one of the, the eight stiff names I think we had on yeah. the uh, <laughs> You didn't get my input. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we've all gone with sort of mature, like older players, and, and mine's no exception. Gary Rowan, not quite as old as... Uh, and Henderson and, and uh, the like. But Gary Rowan's kicked 21 goals six this year compared to seven goals four. He's played one more game this year than he played total last year. But some of his match-winning performances, Hawthorne in particular on, on um, Easter Monday, I thought was magnificent. And he's just added an extra dynamic to that Geelong forward line, which was already very good. Um, Recruit of the year, last uh, mid-year award, Jake. Oh, how can you go past Lockie Neal? I know, well, he, had Neal. I know he had a poor second half um, against the Blues. Your man, Lockie Neal. He was he was shaded by uh, Paddy Cripps, but I think if you look at everyone and, and um, what he's done for the first twelve weeks, yeah, he he's probably had a big played a big role in uh, Lions being a top eight side. Christian, who have you got? Yeah, so my recruit of the year, it's also the way he was recruited. Sydney Stack, there's been a few of these guys, Gibbons at Carlton and things like that, but Sydney Stack for me is the biggest sort of tick for the. Um, what are they calling it? The pre-season supplementary period. Yeah, mm. period where you can sort of audition a guy at your club. So he sort of um, had a few issues in his uh, draft year. He sort of got suspended from a WA state carnival game for, um, I think, sort of disciplinary, disciplinary issues. Um, so I think there was a few clubs put off by that. Richmond have actually got him out here for two months, put him through training, pre-season training. He lived with the coach for a while. And signed him off, and you know, giving him a giving him a spot on the list, and it's paid off. You know, what a spark! He he he, mm. he does he does all the stuff that you like. He takes hangers. He, he got massive big bumps, and he, yep. he can kick the footy well. Uh, my recruit of the year, I think Lockie Neal's the obvious one, but I love the 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 Pies recruiting Jordan Ruffhead. Pick seventy five, they gave up. 
great shout. And and it's a, he's obviously an unheralded player, and but I've got no idea why the Dogs would have let him go for effectively nothing, considering mm. that they they. Lack of key, key defensive stocks. Mm. Pies have had a, a track record of turning They've key backs well. into some really useful players. I mean, Lyndon Dunn, obviously, in the moment, now, but, but yeah. Um, about two thirds of their team uh, players have been in other clubs, not yeah. just their backline. It's quite impressive. So, Howe and Crisp have been more than handy, and, and Ruffhead allowed locks down on the on the best key forward, and it allows Darcy Moore to fly for his marks, and Jeremy Howe to do the same thing. So Good nomination. Uh, my bloke is averaging 25 touches, 10 contested, three inside 50s, and four clearances a game. Uh, he's also 18 years old, and it's Sam Walsh. Uh, I, I, we'd have to go through the stats a bit more. We didn't have time today, but uh, I'm not sure who else has done that in their first uh, 11 games. But he well, is, we all we all kind of were looking at this before. And we thought oh, it has to be Tim Kelly last year, but even no, Tim Kelly, even was Tim Kelly's been shaded by Walsh this so, year. No, yeah. he's been he's been exceptional. Imagine what he's going to be in three, four years time. Even if he only plateaus from here, he's still going to be an exceptionally good footballer for 14 years. Well, who knows? Maybe they have some second year blues. But uh, for my sake hopefully not um we touched on it earlier <laughs> uh, but north melbourne in the last three weeks especially the last two under reese shaw caretaker coach she they looked good um and suddenly they're in a position and their run home's quite favorable but suddenly they're in a position at five and six where they're scoring freely and they could win six of their last uh 11 uh, 10 or 11 games and and sneak into contention for finals are we looking at north the right way can we see them playing finals jake well, I think you just sort of nailed it there. I mean, they're they're playing better football in the last three weeks. They they look like a not anything against Brad Scott, but I think the change has, has helped refresh and re-energize everyone in the team, and they're playing some they're playing well. So the next two weeks are crucial. They got the Giants down in Tassie, which they play well there, and I, I think they're a big chance of winning big that. Chance. Um, and, and then the Colling- and then the buy and then Collingwood. So. Um, if, if you think if they can win one of those games, gee, they're, they're all of a sudden they they've got a, as you said they've got a pretty decent run home. They so could r- they could challenge. Right now they're they're one game in percentage out of the top eight, so which is crazy considering yeah. everyone. You'd think that they'd be five games out. They turf their coach. I mean, yeah, it looked like a shambolic year, but all of a sudden they're one game out and they've got a, a pretty soft draw. And suddenly their their better players and their younger players are all starting to play at a much higher level in the last two or three weeks. So just even some of the team numbers, I've, I've included round 10, so Brett, that was Brad Scott's last game as coach, but I feel like the week that was leading into it, it was almost like we, we knew he was gone, so it's almost like you can see the, the game, their game styles change from that day onwards. Um, so looking at the last three rounds, they rank number one for inside 50 differential and time in forward half. That's up from 14th and 13th in the first nine rounds under Brad Scott, so dominating territory. Uh, points from forward half intercepts. They were 13th in the uh, first nine rounds. Since round 10, they've scored 46 point, or 48 points per game um, from forward half turnovers, which is almost double what they were doing in the first nine rounds. So again, that's dominating that's territory, that's dominating status. It's crazy that, that you can have that much of a turnaround. Mm. Yeah, and that, and, that, and that's sustainable football. That's getting your setups right um, yeah. you know, and being able to lock the ball in your forward half. The other thing that I looked at is their ball movement. So they're still low for kick-to-handball ratio. So Brad Scott played... Had had them playing a very high handballing game. They're still sort of um, handballing the you know the fifteenth or they're kicking the fifteenth least of any team. So they're still sort of down the bottom for kick to handball. But their kick long percentage has gone up from thirty seven percent to forty three percent under you know in the last three weeks. So again, more direct, quick ball movement when they do get the ball onto the foot. So can is anybody going to say that they can or that they will play finals? Well, I think you just summed it up, Christian. Like it's sustainable the way they're playing. So I. I, it's hard when you look at the teams above them. You think, gee, who's going to fall out? Mm. But 
I reckon they're going to be a chance. And well, if, a- if they don't play, they will have a big say on who does play finals. Yeah. 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 They win this week against the Giants at Blunston, which is they don't not lose impossible. Many games. Yeah. They don't lose many games down there. Um, maybe if they split, so the Giants and the Pies games, they then have St Kilda, winnable. The Bombers, winnable. The Lions, winnable. Eagles away, maybe not. Um, and then Hawthorne, Geelong, maybe not. Port Adelaide, you never know which port's going to rock, rock, rock up. And then Melbourne down at Blunston. But those so, four, hmm. four or five games after the next two tough ones, they're huge. They, they could realistically win win all of them. And a shout-out to, to Ben Cunnington, who's third in the coaches' votes. I reckon he's just about the most underrated player in the league and he's having another fantastic season. Going about it beautifully. Let's hmm. move on. How about stat with champion data? There's a little bit of a misconception that being a good ball user relates directly and only to disposal efficiency, but if you ask the experts at Champion Data, there are a number of factors which determine who the AFL's best ball users are. Christian, can you let us know what some of those areas of focus are? Yeah, so I'll take you back to... So we'll, we'll just look at straight disposal efficiency. The top five players for disposal disposal efficiency this year, Jordan Rufford, who we just spoken about earlier, My 88%. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you got him from. <laughs> Shannon Hearn, who's also at 88%. Josh Battle, 87%. So this is all disposals, kicks and handballs. Mark Blixarves, 86.7%. And Robbie Tarrant at 86.5%. A lot of defenders, defenders in there. Yeah. So correct. So the top five, there's four key defenders, one general defender in Shannon Hearn. So... Again, disposal efficiency, it's quite easy. If you're a defender, you take a mark in the back pocket, kick sideways to the you know, to someone standing on the boundary line, that's an effective kick for your measure. So you're never gonna go straight to this column to work out who the best ball user is. Yes, these guys are the safest guys, but they're also probably taking the less the least risks of any player. I reckon I reckon and just to interrupt you, I reckon a lot of a lot of casual fans or a lot of, you know, AFL fans in general probably just look at the disposal efficiency and they say, Oh, he's a good kick, he's not such a good kick, just from that value. Yeah, correct. So there's sort of you've got to take into account a lot of, of what they're actually trying to do with those kicks. Um, so just going back on those top five disposal efficiency players, so I've looked at the top 250 disposal winners and where those five names rank for retained metres gained. So metres gained that end up with a teammate's dis- uh, d- possession. Roughhead, who was the number one for disposal efficiency, is 234th for retained metres gained. Uh, I'll skip Hearn just for a second. Josh Battle is 166th of the top 250 for retained metres gained. Blixarv's 222nd and Robbie Tarrant 192nd. So very low-risk ball users. So they're kicking... You could assume that they're like 50-metre bombs down the line. Uh, no, that would well, be... be when, they, when, <clears throat> when their teammate wins the ball, they're gaining the fewest metres per disposal. So, so it's chipping across yeah, goal so it, it, They were around about 9 or 10 metres per effective disposal. Whereas Shannon Hearn, to me, he's the one that stands up. He's second for retained metres gain. So he's about 19 or 18 metres per effective disposal. Um, that goes to a teammate. So he's the only one sort of in the top five disposal efficiency that's in the top 150 for actual retained metres gain. So clearly just looking at those two stats together, you'd say Shannon Hearn's got to be one of the best ball movers in the competition. For sure. He was in our mid-year All-Australian team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sort of looking at that, we can just look at all disposals again and just your straight retention rate. So what we're talking about disposal efficiency is you can have a kick long uh, to a 50-50 contest. The opposition takes the mark. You'll still get an effective kick because you've you've kicked it to the right contest 50 metres down the line. Uh, again, you could have a, uh, a kick that goes 50 metres down the line, get spoiled and go out of bounds. Again, an effective kick because you've gained territory, got a stoppage, but it hasn't been retained by mm. your team. So looking at just retention percentage, again, Jordan Ruffhead still stacks up as number one. 85.6% of his disposals are retained. Sydney Stack, who's my boy, we're yeah. going to claim him. He's second at 84.5%. for first year players. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Aliyah is at 82.7%. Wilkie, uh, who we spoke a few weeks back, St Kilda's new recruit at 82%. 
and Blick Sarves at 82% as well. So again, all defenders, they are the ones, and a good, that's what you need. You want to retain the ball coming out of the back line. Um, but again, sort of going further and looking at the guys that actually are gaining a lot of metres per disposal and retaining the ball. So I've gone the other way and looked at the top five players for metres gained per disposal. So uh, Nathan Wilson at Fremantle, he, he gains 28 metres per disposal, so that's the most in the competition. Retains possession 62% of the time, so not too bad. Second is Alex Sexton, who plays at the opposite end of the field to Wilson. 25.4 metres per disposal at 52% uh, retention rate. So again, if you kick it out in the fall or don't score, which is, you know, a lot of Alex, Alex Sexton's flying shots a goal, you're not going to retain possession from that. So, you know, sort of one in two disposals actually get, you know, either end up in a goal or get retained by Gold Coast. Uh, and then third on the metres um, gain per disposal list is Lewis Jetta, who's 25.3 metres gain per disposal with a retention rate of 73.7%, so mm-hmm. almost 75%. So again, looking at those sort of figures and the guys around that, I'd say Lewis Jett is one of the best at sort of actually gaining you metres, but keeping the ball in your team's hands. Yeah. So yeah, so looking at those guys high in retention rate, again, usually playing off the half-back line. So going to the other end of the field and actually looking at who's the best player for delivering the ball inside 50, again, looking at retention rate. And that's uh, Tom Lynch at the Crows, who is that connector, as they call him, and he's probably <laughs> the, the best connector. in the league at it. Uh, so when he kicks the ball inside 50, Adelaide retain possession 69% of the time. So that's number one of the top 100 very players. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. surprise you, though, 50. when you see no. him kick the footy, he's so especially clever. how low and, and direct he is. Yep. And including those kicks, 40% of the time they're actually taking a mark. So the other you know, 28 29% he might be hitting them at ground level or mm. you know, getting guys at, um, with a handball or something. But uh, the um, second for retention rate going inside 50, Sam Pepper is at 65%. That's surprising. That surprises, that surprises me, me yeah. too. But the Bit number that stands blaster. out to me that you probably do notice only 2.5%, so one of his kicks inside 50, have actually been a mark for Port Adelaide. Uh-huh. So which is a, an amazing sort of... Uh, Chaos ball. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's completely out of whack. I mean, advantage, I 65%, guess. as we said, are going to the team or going for a goal, but only 2.5% being marked. There's a few times I can picture Powell Pepper kicking it over the back to a Boke or a Sam Gray running into an open goal. So Sam Pepper, I think, really does kick to space well and gain mm. territory well and... Porter probably reading his kicks better than the opposition. That's Maybe that's a plan. But he's yeah. not, yeah. again, and, and you know, another good saying, he's not lowering the eyes and looking inside 50 no. <laughs> trying to hit up a lead-up player. But again, he's the probably... The opposite of a Lynch, really. But he's probably kicking to his strength. So, mm. you know, if, he, if he's ranking second to Tom Lynch, who is sort of chipping mm. it around, hitting guys on the chest... Sam Powell-Pepper's doing it a different way, but he's still getting you the same retention rate, so he's still getting you the same results You in could the give end. me 100 guesses, and I don't reckon I would have yeah. mm. picked him out. Well, he's got a big hoof, so it makes sense that, if, especially if you want to kick over the back, that's the sort of game plan that you'd have. When you when you see him coming at you from 50 metres away, you go, great, I'm going to head back to the square. Because he's going to be able to reach me at 60 yeah. metres over yeah. the top. So it's, it's having those yeah teammates knowing what you're about to do. Mm. Uh, and third on the list is Tim Taranto, is at 62.9%. So again, here's an interesting one, and I've sort of gone into a Tim Taranto case study just to show you some examples of how, how far we can break down your ball use so he's got a total kick rating so a kick rating is looking at what you're trying to do how much pressure you're under and do you hit the target compared to the afl average so he's at negative 1.5 percent which is right on the you know just middle of the table he's he's sort of missing the target 1.5 percent more often than he should be yeah when he's having a shot for goal he's plus 6.2 percent so it's above average there's a very good kick for goal uh, around the ground, when he's going short, which we sort of use as 40 metres or less, he's negative 9.7%. So not great at hitting up a short target or, you know, going uh, a little bit of space. But when he goes long, he's plus 13%. So again, with Tim Taranto, you'd probably want him, yeah, gaining 40, 50 metres mm. per kick than trying to hit that short target. Um, again, coming when he's rebounding defensive 50, he's at plus 2.8%. 
but when he's kicking inside 50, he's plus 10.4%. So again, very high in the retention rate that we said earlier and a great kick rating when going inside 50. So it's that whole, is Tim Taranto a good kick? At negative 1.5%, it's sort of a, it's a neutral answer, but it depends what he's trying to do. Yeah. If he's going long or he's having a shot for goal, Long yes, kicks inside 50 kick. seem to be his forte. Yeah, but a short kick around the ground or, you know, in the back line might, might not be his strong answer. But so, is this, are these sorts of stats that recruiters would look at as well? Would they um, sort of get their hands on these and, and say, so if we're good, looking at Tim Taranto, yep. well, we, we need a player that can do this, this and that, but he only does this, this and that. So with kick rating, it needs pressure and graphical capture and things. The only junior competition that does the full capture like that is the under-18 championships. So the recruiters are all over. And that's a small it. sample size as it well. It is a small sample size, but the recruiters sort of... It is the pinnacles of it anyway. So, um, I mean, with TAC Cup and you know, all the other junior competitions right around the country, you will have kicking efficiency and things like that. But um, getting into actual retention rate meters gained, you only get that from the champs, and that's probably why the, the, the champs data is so hotly sought after. Maybe we'll do the champs, champs. at the moment, aren't they? So yeah. So maybe we can do a, a quick look at, look at them, yeah. maybe in a couple of weeks. So. Yep. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'll tell you what, um, it's a good segment. I really like this. Uh, Just footballers are really judged, aren't they? Like there's so, there's so much data being captured about every act that they but do. But it shows people say, oh, he's not a good kick. It's like, yeah, but there's short kicks, there's Variables. long kicks, there's mm. kicks under pressure, there's yeah. kicks inside 50. There's so many different types. So yeah, yeah it's very interesting. Good stuff. Hey, uh, let's move on. I've had a gutful. My favourite segment, Jake gets to get on uh, his soapbox and, and rant about something, and, and we know what he's going to rant about this week, so he's told us, which is nice. Uh, hasn't done that the last few weeks, but uh, Jake, without further ado, I will let you take it away. Well, I think as football fans, we sort of focus on the negatives in football more so than the positives. I think mm. that's fair to say. We say, oh, he didn't play well, that team's not performing well. We sort of gloss over what's uh, what's... The, what's positive in the football landscape. So I think, on having said that, there's one thing that's really stuck out this year, and you touched on it earlier, Matt. It's the it's the score review. The score review is just mind-boggling. I, I'm ac- absolutely baffled at how we haven't managed to get this right. In the last two weeks, basically the last eight days, we've had three score reviews all wrong. Wrong. Mm. Like, three of them that were incorrect. And I, it, it's staggering that we can't get this right. The AFL's then coming out 12, 24 hours later saying... Oh, we didn't have the vision available at the time. The score reviewer didn't review the the correct vision that was available. This is just shambolic. Mm. And actually, it's embarrassing as a professional sport. This is not good enough, and we need to fix this. It's it's embarrassing. We, we often, as AFL fans, compare ourselves to the NRL, and we personally, I, I chuckle at how badly that, that sport is run a lot of the time compared to as much as we bag the AFL. The AFL does a lot of things right and they preach world's best practice. The NRL's got the bunker system, which seems to have eradicated nearly all of their um, well, all those controversial issues, decisions. Yeah. Mm. What is the AFL doing if they're not getting the right vision, if they're not using it correctly? It's, it's, oh, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's not fit for it's purpose stuff. It's going to cost a final or something like that. It's not fit for purpose stuff. They're using TV cameras, basically, mm. and that's it's the angles aren't good enough a lot of the time. Um, they're, they're now, they've only recently introduced the goal line stuff, but but even that's... But they're, like, they're not the reviewing the, the right reviewing stuff. They're reviewing the wrong things. But like, like, the, the, um, like cricket is a good example in that they knew they had an issue with like third umpire reviews, so they came and brought out specific technology for those reviews. And spent the money and invested yep. in it. Yeah, so maybe all. maybe there's some money down at AFL House. I don't know, maybe they could not invest in researching a new logo for six figures <laughs> uh, and put it towards investing in some technology like a bunker, like you say, Neil. It could cost a, a team a final or a grand final even. It, it's crazy. Honestly, I, I think the AFL needs to park it for the rest of this year. I you reckon? They, no, I disagree with that. No, I, I think they need to park it this year. Well, and come up with a better solution and come for up the with next better, season. And, and then you've got eight, nine months to come up with a better solution, a more effective and a more efficient solution for next season. Because 
That's at the moment, call. we're getting we're getting more of them wrong. No, but that's incorrect. So we've got three wrong in the last eight days, if you said, but they've probably done... There's only been five in that time. But over the course of the season, um, there's no doubt that they would have got more right than wrong. So I, th- I think it's an imperfect system, but it's one that they've got to persevere but with. Who's the bloke in the? Who's the bloke in? But the... it's such a bad look for the AFL it's when, when it's yeah. when if if you're going on an umpire's decision and that's fine and we're not checking and looking at all these different angles, then you can live with the decision. But when you're as a fan or a player or a coach or anyone, you're looking at it and saying, right, that should be correct, and it's not. It should be 100 percent of the time. If it's a score review and they're looking at it and they've got all the angles and all the time and everything, it should be right 100% of the time. Yep. Why do we not know enough details about the score review? Why, why have we never seen what the setup's like, what they get... I mean, we obviously... We don't even division. know who... Do, who, like, who that was going to be my question. Who are they? Who are they? I don't they? know who they are. They who's train monkeys? It? Because I could put my hand up and do it on a Saturday night if they need someone who's not blind. And I, and I think we need more than one person doing it because I, I think we should have at least three and it should be a, yep. at least... Two people, two of them have to say one way because I think one person can get it wrong. Any but, one of us can get a decision wrong. But do we know that they don't have two? I don't even know that yeah, there is we don't one know. person. Yeah, there could be three. Well, it could. I, it's so I, convoluted. I, true. No, I think I, I think it's one, but again, it could be ten. Who I don't knows? know. Bring in yeah. a proper bunker system. They need I a bunker agree. system yeah. and they need to sort it out quickly because they, they won't call it a bunker because that's too much like the NRL. <laughs> so what <laughs> sort of buzzword will they come up with? They'll spend a hundred thousand bucks on getting a great name and a logo. <laughs> but every week this drags on, and every week there's another decision because we might go three weeks and we might not have another. You know, yeah, yep. incorrect call. But when we have another one again in round sixteen or round twenty or the preliminary final, it's going to be big, and we just can't have this. It's a professional sport; it's yep. got to be better. I look forward to the six figures they put towards a task force to come up with a name for a new bunker system. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. That was good. And the three votes goes to. Uh, hey, a few weeks ago we talked about how good the indigenous jumpers have been getting uh, each year, with that the Sir Doug Nichols round uh, goes on. But I tell you what is also improving: it's the costumes that we're seeing. Uh, on Queen's birthday Monday uh, for the big freeze down the slide. And one in particular, and I think you all know who I'm going to say, but Nick mm-hmm. Revolt's um, get up as Freddie Mercury on Monday and his, um, his showboating was excellent and probably the best I think we've ever seen uh, in the... Uh in the in the big freeze slide, <laughs> not the first rewalt to get centre stage and do some lip syncing up on stage at the MCG <laughs> after what Jack did after the seventeen flag. He didn't mind getting the rig out, did he? He was uh, one of the rare one of the rare sort of take, took the rare opportunity to uh, make sure he had the singlet on and had the had the guns <laughs> pumping. But I tell you what, it was impressive. The dyed hair, the teeth, the whole moustache, the get up, it was excellent. It's always good when because Nick was always well media trained and well spoken and he never really let himself go as a player in the media and then even as a media commentator it was fantastic to see him just shed that that was the the first time I'd see sort of Nick Rewald have fun and you think back to you know when he was sort of carrying the Saints, and he was almost like what people say about Paddy Cripps now, he carried that team on the mm. shoulders. You can almost picture Nick Rewalt looking stressed on the yeah, football field. Intense, yeah, But it was great to yeah, just sort of see the enjoyment yesterday. A few other good costumes. Did you have a, a one that caught Well, I was just going to say, just on a, on a wider view of that day, I mean, it's quite... In, oh, I was sitting there watching the game, and I thought, everyone talks about how great it is and, and Neil Danaher and what he's done for motor neuron disease, but it's incredible to watch it after five years to see what that game's become. It's becoming bigger it was all, through that. I reckon there were yeah. more people... In the crowd wearing the beanie than weren't wearing the beanie. It's it's really impressive. And yeah. They've you done keep, a fantastic job. You keep job. hearing in news like they're they're getting closer to breakthroughs, not cures per se, but like breakthroughs of of little bits and pieces in research for MND. And it's clearly the money that the AFL community is putting towards fighting this disease. I mean, what a lasting legacy! Amazing, yeah, isn't for it? sure. So the yeah. three votes goes to well, I mean. Uh, the Nick day. Revolt, but an extension, <laughs> Neil Danaher and the whole Freeze MND um, crusade because it's it's fantastic. Yep. Um, we are here, uh, footytips.com.au is where you can tip with family and friends, co-workers if you'd like. 
Uh, Neil, I know you've got some interesting tidbits for the footy tippers out there. Yeah, no no perfect rounds again. So it was another pretty um, difficult week of tipping. I think the Swans uh, might have got a few people um, caught them by surprise. Um, so no no perfect rounds and only uh, just over 3,000 people out of the 650,000 in the database got uh, six out of six. Um but one of the things that we that we wanted to do for this week was to break down the biggest upsets for the year in terms of um, tipping. So, um, can any of you guess what the biggest upset of the year would have been so far? Ooh, Something involving be, Gold Coast. Have to be the Blue Baggers getting up over the line. That <laughs> <laughs> they were actually tenth. Tenth. Yeah, ten percent of people were backing Carlton to. What about Collingwood Freo last week? Second. Freo. Oh, Second biggest oh, upset. Surely something involving Gold Coast. You're, you're on the money. Early, one of the early ones? Who they play? Maybe. Uh, St Kilda, the Dogs. Doggies. 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 2% of tipsters tipped um, uh, Gold Coast to beat Western Bulldogs. Um, and you, you wonder whether they were people that will forgot their tips or maybe Gold Coast supporters <laughs> were the away that, team, that, that were week. loyal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the the Suns um, beating the Doggies. I'll, I'll just run through the top five very quickly. Freo against Collingwood only had uh, 3% of tipsters as well. Port Adelaide in Perth against West Coast. Fremantle again against the Giants, another great away win, and North Melbourne, um, uh, North Melbourne beating Richmond as well a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, you you back a few um, upsets, and you might might get a few if you get lucky. Uh, very quickly, uh, we are running out of time, but do we have any certainties and upsets we'd like to put forward for this week, Jake? Well, I have to say, I was at the Richmond Geelong game, and I really didn't like what I saw from the Tigers. So. You know, if there is a certainty, and it's a tough round to pick this one, but I would say probably Adelaide, I think, over there. Um, they played pretty well, um, the Crows, and yeah, I think they'll um, they'll have to win, surely. My certainty, it, it is a tough round, actually. Um, looking at the figures there, the most lopsided um, tipping percentage is 17 for North Melbourne against uh, 83 for the Giants. Ooh. Normally, you see a couple that are really just locks. That's my upset, Yeah, sure. that's probably my upset as well, and my certainty would be Fremantle at home against Port, but with... But that's a toss-up, isn't it? You can't, you can't trust Frio. No, you can't. They've been good, but those two sides. they've been good in the last few weeks. But I tell you what, this is the week where they'll come out and disappoint us. Christian, who, have you got a certainty? It's a tough round. Yeah, it is a toughest round. I think we've had to pick a certainty. I probably I'm looking at St Kilda. I know they're playing at Townsville. They've come back Against from Gold Shanghai Coast. and they've yeah. had a shocking game. But I'm looking more at I think just from what I've seen in recent weeks at Gold Coast. I, I don't think they're going too well. I think they're sort of you know Struggling getting to, to a flat, the flat part of the season. Yeah. Exactly yeah. that. So. Um, yeah, I think St Kilda's, St Kilda's probably my certainty, again, just because of how hard it is to tip. No real certainty, though. Um, I don't even know who the upset or who the underdog in this game is, but I think Hawthorne as my upset. I think I saw Essendon. Might, yeah, I, I don't know what the tipping is. Yeah. 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 So I'd have El Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, interesting I, Friday night game this week. It is. I tend to agree with that one, but I, I can't go past um, the ruse as well. Gee, looking for four in a row and the Giants coming off a... Not a great game, so mm. they'll be eager to, to make amends, but they play well down there. Yeah, mm. they don't lose too many games there. North Melbourne's my upset too. Hey, we, are, we have run out of time, but uh, don't forget to uh, rate us five stars and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with everything, and we will speak to you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast.